to The Long View. This is a podcast about stories of vocation and formation, and I'm your host, one of your hosts, Jane Wassum. And I'm the other host, Tim Baumgartner. And we're excited. This is our first episode, and we want to tell you a little bit about ourselves um, today before we interview our first guest. My name is Jane, like I said. I grew up in Atlanta, or a suburb of Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to Milligan College here um, near Johnson City, Tennessee. My major was psychology. Uh, my minor was Bible. And I went to Emmanuel Christian Seminary after that and uh, have an MDiv. Graduated in 2010, and my concentration was Christian care and counseling. And I'm currently working here in Johnson City at Wesley Memorial United Methodist Church as the Director of Youth Ministries. And uh, my name is Tim, and I grew up in Texas and uh, ended up graduating from college, uh, Atlanta Christian College, which is now Point University, back in 2000 and made my way up here to East Tennessee to attend Emmanuel, what was at the time, School of Religion. And uh, I got an MDiv in 2004 uh, with a focus in church history, and then we moved to New York City, and I studied at uh, St. Vladimir's Orthodox Seminary for a bit, but I just spent most of that time working at World Vision in the South Bronx, and moved back here to East Tennessee, to God's country, and worked for Appalachia Service Project for about five years before I started Interyear Fellowship, which is where I work now. I did a gap year program uh, for young adults, uh, trying to figure out what vocation and life is all about. So this kind of fits in with what we're doing here. So we're excited to be on this journey with you all and uh, be able to share stories of vocation and formation from all kinds of folks that have graduated from Emmanuel and beyond. So our first guest today, um, I love that she is here. Um, Her name is Olivia, and she's going to tell you about herself, but um, I have the honor and privilege to be her mentor uh, as part of the Ministry Resource Center's program at Emmanuel currently. Um, And I just think she is incredible and um, just love her being a part of this. Um, So, uh, Olivia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and and inviting me to be a part of this. I grew up in Portland, Oregon, um, but East Tennessee has has been home for a long time. I went to Milligan as well and graduated in 2016. And then I graduated from Emmanuel with my MDiv in 2020. Um, so I've been a family minister at Crossroads Christian Church out in Gray for going on six years. And so that's what I do from nine to five. And then some too, right? Yeah. And yeah. Then, then, then some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to hear just a little bit about your kind of history about your ministry. How did you get to where you are? Kind of hit some of the high points along. What does ministry look like for you up to this point? Yeah, so um, I didn't expect to go into ministry. Um, that was kind of a, a surprise. I uh, Ministry is sort of a family tradition. My dad was in student ministry and in church ministry um, for, my, for my whole life, and my brother went into student ministry and um, I've been a part of Crossroads since I was in high school and my senior year of college near the end of it, they recruited me to come on as part of their children's ministry staff. And I said no. And so they <laughs> asked me again um, and, and I applied for that. And so I've been at Crossroads since I graduated Milligan. Um, and so that's been the, the biggest part of my ministry experience um, and, and learning how to learning how to stay and just learning um, 
how how to work within your faith family. Yeah, because it very much is part of the family, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So how to tell us a little bit about how you chose um, to go into ministry, vocational ministry, working in the church. How What did that look like for you? Yeah, I mentioned ministry isn't something I necessarily wanted to do. Um, I didn't really want to follow in, in family footsteps and working for a church um, didn't sound appealing, especially when you grow up within the church and grow up in a ministry family. Um, that can be challenging. Yeah, <laughs> we all know it. Yeah. We do. Um, And so I felt the call to ministry around the the end of high school. And so um, I wanted to go away for that. Um, But the the short version of that story is is God definitely called me to stay. Um, And and so I did. And I've learned a lot over the past um, decade of what it looks like to to stay and and to be with your with your faith family and I would have never imagined myself working in the church or working with family ministry, um, but God has always called me to the next right thing um, and for the past decade that has been to stay. I know that can be um, it can be challenging. I mean, it sounds like you've been there. I mean, for most people, wouldn't start that early. You know, and so for somebody who was resistant to it in the beginning, uh, it seemed to have worked out well for you so far. And so to have like this call into ministry and we're as we talk and think about what vocation looks like, how would you sort of define what vocation is or what calling is? And maybe share a little bit about how that has changed over the years from resistance to acceptance or resignation, either one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, in short, I, my understanding of vocation and call right now is being faithful to what God has set before you. Um, I don't think it needs to be an extravagant or lifelong call to be a valid one. Um, and I think if that's what we're looking for, then we're probably setting us ourselves up for some disappointment when um, our lifelong call doesn't look like that. Um, so I used to want to know exactly how everything was was going to pan out. I wanted, you know, that resume already filled out for me and that certainty of of knowing um, where where I'm going to land. Um, but over the past decade, it really has been, um, let's do the next right thing. Um, and a lot of it, you know, saying no to my home church and then ending up working for them. <laughs> a lot of and going into ministry when I didn't think I was going to, a lot of that has been resisting at first um, and then realizing that the next right thing is already in front of me. I think one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast and talk about some of these things is because uh, it can sometimes be easy to think that it is very clear and simple, right? But we, I think... Uh, a lot of us have experienced that looking different than, mm-hmm. you know, um, clear and simple. So um, how would you say, have there been ways that you've struggled with that definition of vocation or with your calling um, or have any doubts about that? Yeah. Um, so, of course, there there's the stereotypical, am I, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um if it's if it's a simple call, does that mean it's it's not valid? Um, am I in the am I in the right place? Um, and of course, there have been um, some some doubts that have come along with with church hurt or um, just difficulty with misogyny in the classroom um, and, and things like that. Um, but the biggest story that that comes to mind is when I 
did the summer version of CSME at at the Med Center, um, Debbie Shields had all of us rate our understanding of our pastoral identity. And all of the men in the class, like, <laughs> were like nines, tens, I think some even wrote 11s on wow. their paper. That's and impressive. all of the women were like, five, six, <laughs> yeah. on, on the scale of one to 10. Um, and she stopped class and had us all um, talk about what the goodness and, and the pastoral things we saw in each other. Okay. And so that moment was a was a defining shift in um, in just confidence in in my calling, and it doesn't have to be extravagant, and it doesn't have to be um, planned out until I'm retired. Um, but but I can have confidence into the, the work that God has laid right in front of me. So do you think a lot of that confidence came from that sort of tight community of individuals that you're with at the time, or was it more you just kind of held on to that and, and gained that yourself? Um, both yeah, <laughs> a little bit. I think that that's one, um, specific defining moment. Um, but, mm-hmm. but as I've gone through, through seminary and been mentored in ministry, it's just kind of been claiming what's already mine. Okay. I guess we want to hear a little bit about those times that maybe you felt those doubts or struggles, you know, in your vocation or calling and how you sensed um, hope or found hope in those times um, of struggle and doubt. Can you think of um, any examples or just descriptions of what that hope looked like for you in those times? Who needs hope? Yeah. Abandon hope, <laughs> no, all you who the answer, answer. Yeah. <laughs> I should also say, actually, part of what I was thinking about with this question is the fact that sometimes, and I mean, I could say this personally too, but sometimes there are moments or seasons where there's that struggle and you know that hope is hard hard to to find but eventually in some way it does you know there are different ways that it comes and um you know yeah just curious if you (laughs) what did that look like sometimes it's retrospective yeah you look back and you realize oh i I did have hope in that moment and it was this person (laughs) this thing yeah I do have an answer. I just need to compose myself. <laughs> All right. The question is about in, hope and, in hope and struggles. Correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, where where did you find hope or able to find hope in the midst of those times of having doubts or just struggle? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, a lot of that hope has come from other women in ministry who have, who have shared, um, you know, those places of struggle and, and doubt aren't necessarily new. Um, right. and, and so of hearing, especially from other women in ministry, uh, their stories about being in those places and how they persevered and persisted um, and walked away when it was necessary um, and how that is all circumstantial. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, it is good. And yeah, I think as, as a guy, I kind of have that you know, oh, a nine or a 10, just assume that, yes, I'm going to be a minister. That's what I'm going to do. And there's no question of whether or not that's something that is allowed or something that I can do. It's if I want to do it, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's never a question of mm, maybe that might, might not work out actually. And so or to find that one place, like yes. that's been advice given me mm-hmm. um, that I think ultimately wasn't the most kind of accurate or helpful um, you know, piece of advice for this kind of, you know, when we're 
um, following our calling and, and vocational ministry, particularly as women. But um, so because that isn't, it doesn't kind of play out or happen quite that way all the time, right? Yeah. So if we're going to take some of this, this positive side of some of the, the hope that you found in the midst of, of this struggle, uh, looking towards the future, like what hopes do you have for your ministry? Like what kind of big grand plans do you have and how do you, um, how do you see, what's your kind of dream for the future for your ministry? Yeah, my, my hopes are pretty, pretty simple. Um, I just kind of want to stay faithful to the call and, and keep doing the next right thing. Um, just cause over the past decade, I've, every time, um, I have had these grand sort of plans, God has been like, mm, or no, maybe not, maybe, maybe <laughs> not. Nice try. Um, and I think when I've been at my best and doing this work at, at its best has been when I have just kept it small and been faithful to the, to the next right thing and, and what's right in front of um, what, <clears throat> so we want to kind of uh, shift a little bit to uh, talking about practical steps um, and thinking about what that looks like for you, but as you um, think about talking about that, like for other people in those places of taking, <clears throat> excuse me, the next right step. So when we talk about discernment and making decisions for those next right steps, um, what does discernment look like for you when you're in that place of decision making? Um, can you talk about it a little bit, describe it, or yeah, just give some practical? Yeah, I've got a couple of, of different methods. Um, mentorship, um, Jane, Jane, you've been a great um, source of guidance and, and sounding boards for, for a lot of things. Um, and, um, you know, making space for when I have doubts or in making space for the Adonos. Um, but a lot of the question that I've been asking over, over the past year or two has been, what matters most um, and kind of learning to, um, even though it may all be good, learning how to prioritize what what matters the most, you know, whether that is church in person or online or, you know, there, there are so many different ways that you can answer, answer that question. Um, but when it comes to discernment, kind of figuring out that one thing has been incredibly helpful. You know, sometimes we always think that we're going to be faced with like a good decision and a bad decision. But when you have two good decisions, like two good options, like how do you decide how to move forward with one over the other? Like what what sort of is a thought process or a prayer practice or something that you might do to kind of make those decisions between two good options that, that both look good on paper? That's a hard question. It is a hard question. <laughs> yeah. That What's is your answer to it? <laughs> Do you have a formula yeah. all all set out? Would yeah, love just to hear the that. Plan and just yeah. Would love to hear that. Um, well, I mean, you've referenced Emily Freeman's the like the next right thing. Yeah, uh, a little bit, and, I, and we use that here at Inner Year as we do like focus a month on discernment and what that looks like, and she does a great job of kind of laying out some of those things um, and giving us advice about how to how to make decisions in those times too. Yeah, um, but I think. Uh, for, for me, learning, especially over the past year, learning to um, prioritize what, what matters most has kind of been um, the the defining process and, and question. Because um, what matters most for me typically comes down to, you know, one one, one thing or, or one element. Um, and even though both may be 
good good things um you know the options may, may be good things uh usually there's one that that lies in in more of the priorities for that circumstance um one kind of example is for crossroads the church that i work for we typically do um a big halloween event and um this year we we didn't feel like we could safely do it indoors and we knew we have some big stuff coming up on our calendar in November and December for our 20th anniversary and, okay. and so for some Advent and Christmas stuff. And so um, we asked the question of what, what matters most, doing a big event for our community or saving some capacity for our volunteers because we know we've got a lot coming up over, over the colder months. So we scrapped a, an event that we've done for 19 of our 20 years <laughs> and we we did something else um but but even and we cut a good event that did good things um for for this year but it allowed us to look further down the road and and kind of focus on saying not burning out our volunteers with a huge event in october when we know we're going to do these three things in november and we know this is all what's going to happen in december um that helped us make that decision i think that's a really great example um really beautiful in my opinion for those working in the church (laughs) you know um because not only for volunteers right but for staff i mean it kind of looks to the goodness and the wholeness the health of um those who are you know a part of the church and even the service that they you know provide in the community as well yeah you got to save those volunteers (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) don't want to burn them out it's a lot of work. I would not do future Olivia a favor if we right. burn out our volunteers. Yeah, then it falls to you. So what um, what encouragement do you have for for others to to have this kind of posture of staying open to God's leading in their direction and in their discernment as they kind of think about their vocation and calling and ministry? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Um, the biggest thing I think I can offer is keep showing up, even. Even if you're full of doubts or if the call isn't quite clear, um, you know, keep showing up and keep being faithful um, and and God will honor that and God will will show you um, what the next thing is. And, and I think that your your calling and your vocation and your understanding of it will become clearer. Yeah, I think um, I love I love this question. I love, I love your answer too, but I love this question because I think it, I mean, it starts from that place of, uh, really just being open, open to God mm-hmm. in your life. Um, and you know, the fact that we talk about these stories of, uh, vocation and calling and kind of from a starting point of, it's not going to be black and white. It's not going to be one thing. Um, you know, and that, I feel like that's, how our life of faith is when we're listening and seeking God, right? It's not going to be um, exactly what we think it will be. It's not going to be black and white. Um, So it's really that posture of openness um, to God. And like you said, I think that's, I mean, to kind of keep showing up in that way, right? And how we seek and listen to God. Sometimes it can be hard to even do that, to keep showing up. Like when, when the doubt and the fear or frustration or burnout um, is just overwhelming. Uh, even just the showing up every day can be difficult. And so um, I think it's encouraging to say, you know, just what's this one thing that's in front of me? I can do this thing. And then 
you have a different perspective and then you can do the next thing after that and it puts you in a different place as you kind of make those small baby steps towards just following in and just doing what is in front of you each day and uh, and being faithful like you said earlier about being faithful every day in this call and, and following God and not that it has to be this big grandiose thing but it's actually the small things that actually kind of add up to this is what my life in ministry looks like it was these small decisions all along the way that kind of made me who I am and will continue to make me who I become. And just each one's kind of shapes the next version of yourself as you, as you grow. Yeah. And being open to it changing. Um, because I think sometimes we think showing up every day means that it's going to be in the same place or look the same way. And that may not be the case. Um, and so being okay with, if it does change, um, and where God might lead us in that, you know, that showing up can look different and can mean change. Um, and so being okay with that and open to that, which is not always easy. No, no, it's not. Um, and, you know, showing up, I think, at least for me, showing up when it's mundane, it's the most boring thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it's and it's not fun. Um, but I think God honors our, our faithfulness um, because not not every aspect of our call or our vacation um, will be all roses all the time. Um, there are seasons of it being very hard um, and, and showing up when you have doubts or questions or um, in hard seasons or in seasons where it looks the exact same every day. I think God is still faithful to, to our effort in that. It can be hard in the midst of it. It's true. It's not always roses. Most often not. (laughs) But those times that it are, I mean, it it really do stand out, right? It really, it's confirmation that things are, things are good. I just want to add to or ask what, where do you find encouragement and support currently in vocation as you're kind of seeking, you know, staying open to God in your life? That is also a good question. (laughs) We, we have all the good questions. We may not have answers, yeah. but we're just going to I'm, I'm here just for all of the questions. Keep asking all the, all so the questions. So just think about just think about the answers to the questions. You don't have there, to answer. There we go. These are also questions that I have. Um, one thing is, uh, my my close friends and I are all in very similar stages. Um, you know, we all graduated at the at the same time and are, are asking some of the the same questions about, you know, what what is next? What does it mean to stay with this community that I love? Or what does it mean to, to do something else? Um, and I've got, you know, good friends who are in the midst of, you know, their call being a career change or something different and other friends who their call is, is to stay. Um, and so having kind of that sounding board of people who are asking the same questions and even though our answers might be different to that. There's a shared support yeah. for one another. And similar experience, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's the important part is to remember that we aren't alone and that we can't do this alone. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to have that support structure of people around you that can encourage and lift up and you know, days when it's hard to show up, they can you know, show up with you or show up for you and kind of be what you need them to be for a while. And then it turns around, you know, in a couple of months and you're the one who's there for them when they need it. Yeah. Well, any final words of wisdom to pass on or any questions since you've given yeah. all the answers? <laughs> all of the answers. Do you want to ask um, us? Any, hit us with some hard questions. 
I didn't come prepared for the hard well, great. questions. In that case, uh, then. <laughs> we'll move on. So today we'd like to, to close our time together with a prayer or sometimes we'll do a poem that will be uh, a way just to kind of end our time together. Um, sometimes poems or prayers can capture words that we can't come up with, but capture the, the heart and spirit of kind of how we are or where we are and how we feel. And so this one comes from how we got the name for the podcast, The Long View. Um, and it was written uh, on occasion of Oscar Romero's martyrdom by Bishop Ken Nutner's anniversary of his martyrdom. And so over, over time, it has come uh, to be known as the Romero Prayer. So most of us assumed that it was written by Oscar Romero, but it is in fact not. By but most that, of us. But that doesn't change. You the, mean us. <laughs> it doesn't. I, me too. Me too. Until but I found out. we've prayed this prayer We have. For we've a prayed this prayer many, for many each years. Each of our lives, yeah. Yes. Uh, it doesn't change how important it is to us. And so we'd like to share that with you today. It helps now and then to step back and take a long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. and No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives include everything. This is what we are about. We plant the seeds that one day will grow. We water the seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is a sense of liberation in realizing this. This enables us to do something, and to do it very well. It may be com incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. We may never see the end results, but that is the difference between the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs. We are prophets of a future, not our own. Amen. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll have a Another episode will switch between mentors and mentees, and so the next one may be uh, a mentor in the Ministry Resource Center with me. It was good to be together. We hope you'll listen in next time.